Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is up, football fans? This is Danny Austin. You are watching and listening to the Live from the 55 podcast here from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It is Sunday, July 9th. Uh, we are recording this before the last CFL game of the weekend, uh, Montreal and BC, but this will be dropping on Monday morning uh, on YouTube and Apple and, and, and Spotify. All the places where you get your podcasts, it's live from 155. Nope, it's live from the 55, not the 155. That is something I am working on. Don't know why I keep making that mistake. The producers keep bringing it up. Either way, um, here we are. It's Sunday. It's the third third day of the Calgary Stampede. So I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm getting by. Um, you know, a little bit better than the Calgary Stampeders are at this point. We're going to get to them. Uh, we have Darren Bombing from Bombfire Sports, one of my favorite people in the country, but also, in my opinion, um, probably the best uh, the best reporter out there. This guy knows his his Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He knows his Winnipeg sports and knows a ton about the CFL. So really excited to have him here. We're just going to kind of just go with it, um, talk about everything we can. He was there in the stadium, watched the Bombers, to be honest, manhandle uh, the Stampeders on Friday night. That was as bad a loss as I've seen in a long time. If you are going to ask me, am I worried about the Calgary Stampeders? The answer is absolutely yes. Um, I think there's a real cause for concern there. That offense is not clicking the way it should. Um, and I think that you have to wonder where what's going on with the passing game. Because the truth is it just Jake Mayer has not been connecting with his receivers. Um, yeah, look, that's a good Bombers team. But I've seen players play a whole lot better than the Stampeders did uh, against these Bombers. And it's, you know what, we're, we're now four games into the season. They're one and three. It's not, it's not a good situation there at all um uh, there's a situation in edmonton i think that's probably the uh that was the wildest ending to a game i've seen in a while cj sims comes down lets the ball bounce into the end zone this is the edmonton elks uh returner and gives up a point clearly didn't know the rules in canadian football but that basically gave the saskatchewan rough riders the win what do you say about this one i've actually been, been thinking about it because the immediate thing on twitter is obviously everyone laughs at the at the poor guy um obviously it's a mistake obviously the player needs to know the rules who is that on i mean if you're i don't think it's on chris jones i don't think it's the head coach's job to be doing pop quizzes making sure the players know the rules um before they go out for for a pivotal play special teams coordinator i don't know um i just feel bad for cj sims um but bad for the Elks, to be honest. I think that they were very close to winning that game. They seem to play better against the Riders than they do other teams based on, what, four weeks of, of action here. But um, that one's tough. That's that's a game 
twice the Elks have, have, have sort of been on the cusp of finally getting this badly needed win, and they haven't done it. Um, but I don't know. That, that, that was difficult, and I feel for the player. I'm just not going to pile on. Uh, if you're the Riders, I'm not sure you're really leaving this game feeling like a million bucks. Uh, but I don't know. Win's a win. We got to remember that these Riders lost their last seven games last season. Coming down the stretch, missed the playoffs. They're now three and one, and you got to like that. You got to like where you're sitting after after four games. Um, that's a pretty huge season over season improvement. Um, no, I don't think they've been inspiring, but I don't think you always need to be inspiring. You know, again, you look at the other side of that. It's the Stampeders. Um, as I said, 215 yards of net offense, only 127 passing yards from Jake Mayer. You know, he completed 15 of 29 passes. Only averaged 4.4 yards per attempt, and it's just it's just not good enough. And you know, you look at their next four games, and they've got this coming Saturday against the Riders in Regina. That's going to be tough. Um, July 23rd at home against Ottawa. July 30th in Montreal, and then August 4th at home against a very good Toronto Argonauts team. I'm not sure. I'm not saying you know you, you'll have them winning few <clears throat> a few, excuse me. But how many of those do you have them on paper, sort of a guaranteed? You'd, you'd confidently put yes. Probably the Ottawa game. And that's that's just about all. So, yeah, this uh, this Stampeders team not in great shape. I'm uh, as I've said, it's it's an interesting one. In my I've been covering the Stamps since 2016, but following them pretty closely for a good amount of time before that. And this is just uh, this is a unique situation. This is not where the Stampeders are supposed to be, um, and where you expect them to be. And again, I, I I'm gonna talk to Darren about this, so I don't want to go too into it. But I look at those standings and. Yeah, the Bombers are, are four and one. The Lions may be four and one by the time you're listening to to this. And those are quite clearly the class of the of the West Division. And the Riders are three and one, and the Stamps are one and three. Right? I mean, no, they're not as bad as the Elks, but they're not that they're not in the mix right now. Um, and I think the Riders are going to like where they're at. Home game, chance to move to four and one, and, and knock the Stamps down to one and four. You know, they're salivating over that. Saskatchewan that's a it's a big game this this coming weekend um <clears throat> excuse me beyond that um I do think that we got to talk quickly about the Tiger Cats and Red Locks. this is not a game that I watch particularly closely as I said it is Calgary Stampede um I had things going on but I, I I've watched sort of an extended highlights package and obviously I've read a lot about it and you, you just you know your your thoughts and prayers they just go out for for Jeremiah Mazzoli um hurt again lower body non-contact injury that is going to worry me every single time had to leave the game first game back in what a year um you know you just think Mazzoli you go back to 2018 he was East Division's most outstanding player really really felt like the dawning of sort of a new new era um and that he might be sort of one of the stars of the league and you know what a player he is and I do think he's one of the biggest players in the league it's just how have the last couple of years played out man I mean the last five years what I've, I've got it written down here um thanks to three donation i'm basically copying them here but um you know torn acl in 2019 no season in 2020 because the cfl couldn't get on the field broken femur last year it's just been a brutal five years for a guy who i think that you know a lot of us thought was gonna was gonna be sort of one of the faces of the canadian game um and you know that's a quarterback who ottawa needs too i mean there's that part of it where you know i think all of us would like the red blocks to to be competitive and i think mazzoli was meant in a lot of ways to be you know the central piece of that um and you know maybe this all turns out you just you do when you see non-contact lower body you, you worry um but it stinks i think they're gonna have a really really hard time um the rest of this season and you know they they 
did the work. They got they got the pieces. It's just the pieces. There've been injuries, um, and I worry about that Ottawa team. I don't think they're very good, um, and that's just another season. I mean, Ottawa just at the bottom of the standings. It's been a couple years now. Um, that market, I trust. I love that market. It's probably my favorite place to to go see a game in the East for sure. And, and one of my favorite places, it's, it's such a young, um, young crowd. They, they've done everything right in that stadium and you need wins though. That's what we're seeing at Edmonton. And it's just so depressing uh, to see a Red Blacks team that, you know, they, they just need some decent quarterback play and they're, and they're not going to get it. And, and, and you worry about that market and then you just worry about Mazzoli. And hopefully this isn't the last time we see him on a CFO field. Hopefully he recovers, but I mean, that's, that's basically, so long just kind of working to get back and then just have it ripped away from you um it stinks it's sad it sucks uh, i'm very sorry to hear it so anyways that's a bit of a bummer um not how i would want to leave the podcast but fortunately we have darren bombing coming so he's gonna he's going to um join us shortly but i do want to very quickly thank our sponsor uh fraser and fake i have talked about these guys every week um they're just down down the street here from our Marble Studios. Um, I meant to buy one of those recruiting boards today. Sort of forgot that I had to tell them in advance. Um, either way, next time I'm going to have one. We're going to eat it here. People watching, watching our, a middle-aged man eat. Who doesn't love that? Uh, anyways, Fraser and Fig, they do these kind of elevated cheese charcuterie boxes. Um, it's all fresh artisanal provisions. For on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery, um, honestly, man, this is like ready-to-go cheese charcuterie boxes curated with local and artisanal ingredients. They've got four sizes. They suit every occasion. All boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. These things are amazing. Picnic, date, going over to mom and dad's house, or I, I don't know, whatever you're doing. I, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You you live your life. You you do whatever you want. But I promise you, whatever you're doing, bring one of these fragrant free guy. Cheese and trickery boxes, and people are going to be happy. They're going to like you. You're going to be more popular. These things are amazing. Check them out. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Darren Bombing, let's go. All right. What do we call you? The CEO, the owner, the operator, Bonfire Sports, Darren Bombing. Creator. Creator. Because that's kind of, um, I created it, and I'm a creator there. Yes. Um, and, yeah, you're the genius behind it. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could get stats up, unlike the geniuses, uh, the other geniuses. Um, Darren, how are you? It is not Calgary Stampede where you are, so I feel like you're, you know, you're you're looking great. You're not. You didn't gain 28 pounds the way I have in the last 36 hours. <laughs> you don't have bags under your eyes. You look great. It's good to have you. How how is life in Winnipeg? Good. I, I am 28 pounds on than I, I should be. That's that's for sure. But no, no stampede in, in Manitoba right now. Uh, just just relaxing in Winnipeg and enjoying the summer. Living clean, feeling good. I love that, man. You look great. I will say that there may not be a stampede, but uh, the Bombers basically stampeded over the Stampeders. Um, that game, man, I, I need to get your perspective because I have the Calgary perspective and my Calgary perspective is that the wheels are falling off and that there's something seriously wrong with the Stampeders. I want, honestly, just be real. What did you see? Was there anything that you thought offensively the Stampeders was encouraging? I'll get into the offense. My, my first take on the game was after watching Edmonton and Saskatchewan just slog one out in the most, you know, not a positive type of slog. Sometimes, uh, you know, th that can that can be the case in a, in a game of football. But after watching that game the night before, 
And yeah, there was a dramatic finish because of a, you know, a blunder of epic proportions and, you know, Edmonton just finding new ways to beat themselves when it was, you know, a hockey score in the football game between Calgary and Winnipeg and 11 to one Winnipeg was down. I really wondered, I'm like, are, are we in store for like one of those CFL weeks? Like is CFL week five of 2023 going to be that week where it's just ridiculously low scoring games. And of course those, all four of those games will be on like, you know, CBS Sportsnet across mm -hmm. the continent. Um, but yeah, I mean, Winnipeg has something in their DNA where it doesn't matter what the score is. And like the football players, coaches, athletes in general, they throw the cliches out there all the time, flush it and move on. Uh, you know, uh, can only worry about the next play. Can't do anything about the last one. It's zero zero. We're trying to go one and zero every week. All of that, but there's something in the Blue Bombers DNA that just has them. They embody resolve. They are so resilient. They are so. They're never ever out of the fight, and it's the body language that they exude. It's um, you know the way they approach halftime. It's the way they approach. Uh, offense and defense and, and uh, you know, strategy within the game. Um, so I think covering this team closely in the Mike O'Shea era, um, we've learned that. We've learned you, you can't really ever count them out. That's it was said, the same, like the Stampeders 2016 to 18 had that aura as well. Yeah. Um, that just like, it, it didn't matter. And <clears throat> the only way to beat this Bombers team is to get ahead early because you need to force them into throwing the ball and not having all their weapons. Mm -hmm. but then it doesn't actually matter. Like, right. And, and, you know. and the, the point I was trying to get to is, you know, th that's what we know about the blue bombers, but it was the Calgary Stampeders inability to put their foot on Winnipeg's throat, their inability to take advantage of the momentum that they had, you know, they missed out on a lot of opportunities to, um, you know, take better control of that game and they let Winnipeg come back. You know, Winnipeg's going to come back. They're, they're, they're a scrappy team. That resolve is real. But the Stamps, with the way they were pass rushing, like James Vodders, what, he had two sacks in the first half. Uh, you know, you were talking to me about Mike Rose on, on Bonfire Sports this past week and, uh, you know, how he's a double-team machine. Well, they put him in single situations, and he was pushing guys around and, and um, you know, wreaking havoc. Uh, but – the run game from Calgary's offense, the inability for Jake Mayer to, um, you know, take advantage of Winnipeg's more kind of passive sit back defense uh, in the pass game. I, I'm a little bit confounded by the stamps because they have all this weaponry. They have all this ability. They have all this coaching experience and, you know, proven ability. Uh I really don't understand why they're struggling as much as they are, but at one and three looking up at Sask and BC and Winnipeg who are all three and one or four and one in Winnipeg's case. Um, it really makes you wonder. Cause if you were to read my emails or my DMS, it is a bunch of people saying the problem is Jake Mayer. Okay. Um, and look, I, I don't think he's been good enough this year and I don't think he was good enough and I'm, I'm not going to, hesitate to say that um i also like you know you have relationships with people so in this more sort of editorial space i do have to be a little bit careful sure but i agree it was also though like and it's not for the first time this year they just 
they seem to settle. This is a thing that Derek Taylor has talked about. They just seem to settle for getting two, two yards less than they need all the time. Hmm. With Bo Levi Mitchell, if you needed 10 yards, and this is in his prime, I'm not saying last year, he got you 10 yards. With the Stamps, it always seems like they get seven or eight instead of instead of the 10. They, they, they're always just short of that first down. And then, yeah, I mean, the run game, like, Dedrick Mills is amazing, but it felt predictable. Hmm. And I just... I hate just bringing things down to stuff like, oh, it's accuracy. But this, I they just didn't, 122 passing yards is not enough. No. This, this is the CFL. And Dedrick Mills was excellent. He had seven carries for 76 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. And then they didn't really go to him much after that. And I understand, you know, uh, state of the game and flow of the game and that sort of thing. They dictate play calling and, and utilization of different players on offense and, and the rest. But you know, to your point about getting seven or eight yards when you need 10 or getting 12 yards when you need 15 on, on second and 15 or something like that. Um, I have a theory about that in, in the CFL. It, it's a big field, right? So defensive strategy, I've been told, is very different because the space is what you're defending, not the players so much, right? Zone is very different. You have a high safety and three linebackers, you know, you get the dimebacker who's a DB and, and, and the middle and, and the weak side. Um, so things are a little bit different, uh, especially with blitz packages and, and that sort of thing. But I saw it here in Winnipeg with Matt Nichols, and it was the exact same, um, you know, uh, the exact same perspective from fans that you're getting in your DMs and your emails right now. Matt Nichols is the problem. And how come they only get seven yards when they need nine or 10, Right. And I think it is an operation of the defense. I don't think it's the operation of the offense when fans will say they're only throwing it seven yards downfield. That's what's there because yeah. the defense is defending well where they need to. And that is the 10 yards that they cannot allow in order to, to stop the drive. So I think it's more about um, a team just not playing well, not, um, you know, they're, they're not dangerous. They're not a threat. So a defense can defend a certain way and say, go ahead, take the nine yards. We don't care. You need 15. Take the seven yards. You need 10. You know, um, I, I don't think it's bad play calling or necessarily bad decision-making by the quarterback. I think they're going to the option that's there and that's the option that the defense maybe has let them to. Um, and they're hoping for a receiver or a running back to make a play, make a guy miss, have the defender make a mistake, and, and then maybe you'll you'll pick up the first down. But um, you know, we, we need to see more from the Stampeders. Uh, I, I like the offensive line. I like the run game when it's effective or when it when it's at least utilized. Um, they, they got a ton of good receivers, even though you know uh, Malik Henry is is injured right now and Luther Kunavanu and. Uh, and the rest, getting Mark and Michelle and, and then Reggie Bagleton back. Everything's in place. I don't know why they can't put it together. Yeah, and I do, I do think that there is an accuracy issue a little bit with Jake now. I do think that he is missing, uh, particularly he's missing long um, mm -hmm. on a lot of passes. And like, I get it. I didn't like the interception early either, but that's the type of thing that you have happen. And like, I got to give the Bombers credit. Like for all of this talk, if, if you're a young quarterback and you have Willie Jefferson just closing in on you, yeah. It's a hard job. 
it's a really hard job. And that, and that Bombers team, not only do they do they bring that pressure, but they also have some incredibly complicated schemes um, that completely confuse quarterbacks' eyes. And that is something that as Jake, as Jake progresses and, and learns, he'll he'll presumably get better at. But I am looking at it, and I'm sorry. I I, I think that we'll see the Lions tonight. You know, I, I'm assuming Vernon Adams bounces back from from last week, and I, I assume, and then I just I know the Bombers are going to end up with 13 wins, maybe more. Like that's that's maybe. sort of who they maybe. are. Um, I think I th- I think that the game plan is more known today in 2023 than it has been over the last couple of years because we've seen Winnipeg get beaten. We've seen Winnipeg, um, you know, uh, lose important big games and we've seen them lose different ways too. So, um, you know, they've gotten, they got blown out by the BC Lions this year at home where Winnipeg had not lost to a Western division team in five years. Montreal came in here and won once that was a weird game. And then, um, Toronto uh, the Toronto Argonauts game. beat them uh, quite handily uh, uh, as well. Was but, Nick Carbuckle the starter in that game for the Argos? Uh, I'm not. No, no, it was McLeod Bethel Thompson. Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, regardless, I, I think the game plan is out there. Uh, you know, defensive and offensive coordinators, head coaches, the guys that put the game plans together, I think they have a better handle on how to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers than they have in years past. So it's going to be a 13 win season. I, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe. But maybe not. Yeah. You never, I just you never know what's going to happen. It's the crazy football league. It's the CFL. Completely. I just watching that game, it's like, it's true, the game planning and all of that. And there was just a, and again, I think the Stampeders defense, to be perfectly honest with you, like this, that, that game's not on them. I mean, like, what yeah. are you going to do with an interception, a, a huge special teams play? By and large, I mean, take those two, the points that come from that off the board. Yeah. And you're very, very happy with the Stampeders and defense. I think- it's you know, just there was a difference in execution, and that's always my thing with the Bombers, yeah. is like when you talk about the resilience and all that, there's also just like you can't do that without, and this is such a cliche, but at some point, it's the details that allow you to be resilient. Yeah. And just as I watch the Bombers, there's, yes, they looked bad against the Lions in that one game. It's just I have that faith, and I've just watched so much Bombers over the last sure. couple of years, and I was just like, as I watched it, I was like, I know what's coming. Play well, after I, play, I know what's coming, and it, yeah. I know it's going to work. Yeah. Well, you know me, Danny, and, and you've you've followed my work. Uh, you know, we've been buddies for for years now. But I've covered mm-hmm. the Blue Bombers daily since 2011, right when Paul Apolice was the head coach the first time. And uh, you know, I, I I'm a born and bred, born and raised Winnipegger, and and played football in this community, right. And I don't want people to think that I, I'm just um, you know unabashed homer or something like that right i approach my job seriously and and try to be objective so um you know yeah the blue bombers are very good and and i could i think anybody the most objective person in the world could rave on and on about you know how they're going to be difficult to beat and and the rest what i'm fascinated with as a, a reporter is how teams play against the winnipeg blue bombers and i was impressed with the stampeders like they put a ton of pressure on their offense, on Winnipeg's the defense offensive is line. Good. Early. The defense was really good. But as much as said about Zach Kolaris and the Blue Bombers offense, like two-time reigning MOPs, probably still the best player in the league today, mm-hmm. you know, um, on, you know, from, from what we've seen through five weeks. But if it wasn't for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense, it's been their defense that has, you know, buoyed them when they've been, you know, treading water or struggling to keep their head above water in games 
One of either Dave Dickinson or Bo Levi Mitchell said to me last year, I was like, what is the key? He was like, mm -hmm. they're well coached. Every like went through the list. And they were like, also though, as long as Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill are yeah. there, they will have the best defense in the league. Yeah. And like, is Adam Big Hill the same player he was, you know, uh, three, four years ago when he was the, or what was that? Two, three years ago when he was the most outstanding defensive player in the league. Maybe not, but he's still incredibly effective he is the quarterback of the defense. He's right there in, in the middle, uh, you know, calling the coverages and, and using his eyes, which I think are his best weapon, you know, physical. His brain, 100%. He's just so yeah. smart out there. He's so he smart. And you, you mentioned Willie Jefferson. Well, you know, Willie Jefferson is a unicorn in that there's nobody built like him and there's nobody that plays the game like him. And he's a, a tool that, Richie Hall, Winnipeg's defensive coordinator, has used in so many different ways. There's a reason Willie Jefferson, as a D end, has a whole bunch of pick sixes in his career because he can drop into coverage. He can jump. He can, his arms are so long. He's strong. He can bull rush. He can do all these different things. But it's one thing to game plan against Willie Jefferson. It's another when you have Jackson Jeffcoat and Celestin Haba, an outstanding rookie. He's been very, very good um, for Winnipeg this year on a rotation of defensive defensive linemen and defensive ends that are, are just outstanding. I think that makes it really, really tough. All of that said, though, Danny, is, is the moment in that game that really stood out to me. And uh, on our post-game show, we always do our bonfire burning point. We don't do any turning point. We do the bonfire burning point. And our burning point was the Rene Paredes missed field goal. Yeah. Now, my co-hosts <laughs> felt it was you know, the subsequent return, I felt it was the missed field goal because I, yeah, I think yeah, that game, that, that would have gone a, a very, very different way. Yes, obviously having your backup kick returner in for the injured Janarian Grant and seeing Greg McRae go, you know, 102 yards on a return and probably add another 40 or 50 yards on the east-west that he ran uh, and running out of gas, uh, that, that set up Winnipeg for another field goal. Uh, and another score, but man, if Paradis hits that, and we've seen him hit it so many times, yeah. completely different ball game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a six point swing, if nothing else, right? Um, yeah, it's so. I hear you. I just look at at the box score, and there are sometimes when the box <laughs> score tells me the whole story, and I say 122 passing yards. And you talked about how they got away from the run, and I hear you. But it's like, yes, there's situational football. When you're behind, you typically run the ball less. And I'm not criticizing the play calling. I could not be a football head coach. I couldn't be a football anything coach. But, like, when you are getting more yards on your runs than your passes, at some point, stick with the run a little bit. Sure. Sure. I, and I thought Winnipeg, like, like just to, to, to counter that on the same point, Winnipeg, you know, often they'll say set up the run or, or use the run to set up the pass. What Winnipeg did was kind of the opposite. They tried running with Brady Oliveira in the first half and had a lot of trouble. Like Calgary's defense, uh, their game plan in the first half, like before I'm sure they each of them made adjustments at halftime, uh, was excellent. And they couldn't get Brady Oliveira going. Now, Brady Oliveira's got 200-yard games already this year. He finished with 73, I think, uh, against the Stamps. But, you know, he's a 130-yard total yard producer every week now like Andrew Harris from Winnipeg went to Oak Park High School star with BC and of course his hometown Bombers Brady Oliveira 
Oak Park High School, Winnipeg, and now starring with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The comparisons are there as much as Brady Oliveira is, you know, blazing his own path uh, and, you know, to start him in the CFL. All of that said, when Winnipeg had the pass going and then started running, that's when, like I described it in my post game as it was like a boa constrictor. Winnipeg put together a 15-play, 96-yard drive that spanned 9 minutes, 43 seconds. They said, we are going to take the fourth quarter away from the Stampeders and just lock it down. And Brady Oliveira, you know, a couple passes in there, but a lot of run, a lot of run to to Rashid Bailey and, um, you know, short pass game when, you know, in certain situations. But Brady Oliveira was like, you know, 60, 62 or something like that. He was roughly 60 yards of that 96 yard drive, just pounding the football. The offensive line might've had trouble with pass protection in the first half, but they just bore down and, and got physical and, and smacked Calgary in the mouth with uh, just an unbelievably physical run game to, to kill the clock at the end. Yeah. It's not always the most entertaining thing. If you're a neutral fan watching a team do that, but it's how you win football right. games. Right. right. Um, yeah, I, I, it, again, as I was saying, it's that thing when you don't watch Winnipeg as closely. Like I, I t- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I watch the bomber. I mean, I see every game, but, you know, I'm watching as a fan. I'll have it on while I'm working or... We're doing other stuff and it's then when i do have to focus in on it like and i can't quantify this but it's the inevitability it's that like it's that it's oh they they need to take nine minutes off the clock and they're just kind of gonna do it and i've just seen it so much over the last four years and to be honest i don't like it like it drives me nuts i want there to be a team that comes in and and, and knocks them off but and we've seen them lose right like it's not as if we haven't seen them lose but that feeling of like, here we go again. Okay, the bombers are coming. They control this. It's big brothering the teams a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I like um, and it Please. just, I just feel it and I see it and I know what's happening. And in part because the Stamps have had so many close games. This was not a classic Stampeders Bombers game. Full marks. This was a Bombers. This this win twenty four eleven. I thought it was more dominant than the scoreline. 
to be perfectly honest with you. Well, it was 11-1, right? And, and yeah. Winnipeg's defense just said, oh, no, no more, right? You want to beat us? Beat us with Jake Mayer's arm, and he couldn't. Like, he couldn't even put up a decent fight. And, you know, I completely understand the fan sentiment that, you know, that that is the problem. I, I'm not enough of a offensive expert to just outwardly say responsibly it's the it's on the quarterback, right? I know there's a lot more that goes into uh, offensive uh, prowess than just one player. Is he the most important? Yes. Mm-hmm. If he was a gunslinger, if he was, you know, if it was Zach Kolaris, you know, in front of that offensive line or behind that offensive line and using that run game and, and those receivers, would it be different? For sure it would. I have no doubt. But I'm not going to just say, hey, this is this is a Jake Mayer problem, uh, and and they got to they got to figure something. It's out. reductive, and it's part of our job in media to not do that. Yep. Um, and and I think it's important that that not happen. I will say, just I've watched a lot of Jake, and I do think that when he's on, he's really on. Like he's mm-hmm. just a bit. To be honest, he's a bit streaky, and I don't always like using that word. Um, but when he's off, he just it, he does look. It looks bad when it's not working right. for him, well, um, and that's there's there's streaky quarterbacks in the CFL, right? Remember, remember Henry Burris. It was good Hank, bad Hank, yep. right? And it's you know Trevor Harris. We've seen good and bad of him as well. Kind of you know uh, really throwing some some playoff games away, you know through through his career. Vernon Adams Jr. the the most recent because he comes into to Winnipeg and, and lays the boots to the best team in the league, and then the next week he throws six picks. And two, I don't know what was going on, but he appeared to have time and his eyes clear and, and everything and just gifted it to the Toronto Argonauts, all while throwing for 355 yards. It's the or, sorry, weirdest stat line that yards. I know. Like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's weird to see this happen, but it is, you know, the most difficult position to play in, uh, in, in, in team sports for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, uh, who, who knows what, what goes into finding that consistency in, in the great quarterbacks that we've seen in both and leagues and, and everywhere. I was talking to Ted Wyman about this, and, and one of the things that he – I thought it was a really, really good point, where he said, look around the league and look at how old is Ryan Adams Jr. It's sort of taken him to this point. Now it takes a while with young quarterbacks and that there needs to be patience and that you do need to just, like, look, Zach's in his mid-30s. Trevor Harris is in his mid-30s. It, it, it typically like your average 24 year old is not a starting CFL quarterback. who's having a tremendous amount of success in today's day and age. And I, and that's why like I, with the stuff with Jake in particular, it bugs me a little bit because I don't think Calgarians are used to sure. having a quarterback who they need to be patient with. Right. It's been so long and right. they're, he's not Jeff Garcia. He's not Doug Flutie. He's, but like, that doesn't mean that there's not good things there. I want to quickly, because we try on these days to talk about each game, you obviously watched Edmonton, Saskatchewan. I don't really have much to say about the ending beyond I feel bad for the player. And everyone who won this one, I said this in the intro, but like people being like, Chris Jones, what a terrible. I know that accountability always goes through the head coach. I don't actually think it's the head coach's job to check to make sure that your returner knows that rule. I don't think you would get away saying that to, to Mike O'Shea. By by saying that, I mean sharing that sentiment because it's not on the special teams coordinator. I think it's on the entire staff, you know, and yeah. of course the accountability goes to the head coach. Um, what I don't understand is, you know, a lot of people saying like, oh, Chris Jones is yelling at him uh, after making that mistake. I don't think he was yelling at him. I think he was, you know, communicating to him like you can't do that. You can't do that. But also 
it's on Chris Jones. It's on the special teams coordinator, sure. But the buck stops at the head coach. And I know Jones has got a lot on his plate with being the, the GM, the head coach, the defensive coordinator. But who's the one talking to him after that play? It's him. He's the one that went up to him and, and, and talked to Sims. So uh, if, if you bounce that idea off of, you know, someone like Mike O'Shea, just, just as a, like a, a theoretical, I don't think he would say, uh, you know, in, in his heart of hearts, like in, in true honesty, that it was anybody's fault but the coach or the coaching staff to have that player prepared. That player was not prepared because they did not know what to do late in the game. And whether that is something installed in them, um, you know, as, as a young player new to the Canadian game or during training camp or during their meetings during the week or before they run out onto the field, hey, this goes over your head. You've got to get it out. Kick it out. Clearly, they didn't know what the rule was. And uh, I feel bad for the players because the Edmonton Elks, a lot of things are going wrong for them right now but their coaching staff is not preparing them to win at all. Yeah. And like to use, I, I agree with you and, and look, I, it, it's not working in Edmonton and I want it to work in Edmonton. I want them to start winning games. I think it's really bad yeah. for the CFL that they're not winning games. I think it was more like I often, I am not a very good cook and occasionally I will be cooking and I'll like be looking at a recipe and like whoever wrote the recipe didn't include something because of course they didn't need to tell me to mm-hmm. like to take the egg out of the wrapper or, or, or sorry to take the butter out of the out of the right like of course anyone would do that and I just didn't know so I didn't do it and I'm like I'm such a bad I'm such an inexperienced cook that the recipe writers like I'm so bad that they can't even anticipate me not knowing what I don't know and there was a level where I'm like Chris Jones has a million things going on. He might say this falls on me, but like, I'm pretty sure he was like, I, in his heart of hearts, I think he would be like, I didn't know I needed to tell him that. Well, that that's I, the thing. That's the first thing you need yeah, to know. Yeah. No, I, and I feel that there are too many people right now, and this is not going to be a popular thing. Everyone wants Chris Jones to fail, at least in Calgary, and he's getting blamed for everything. Sure. And until someone tells me like, oh, you want to fire Chris Jones? Who's going to do? All of that under the CFL's the salary, you cannot like. And can't I just do it during I, the season. How do you find your, your GM, head coach, and defensive coordinator in in one phone call or one sit down meeting? Right, mm-hmm. one pink slip. You you can't. What, what like I, I'm personally of the of the thought that you know I think it's foolhardy to fire a head coach during the season or fire a, a coordinator without a uh, you know competent, experienced person to step in. Um, you know, the, the coaching cap and all of that, notwithstanding, uh, it's very difficult to take a football team and just completely change their direction mid season. So, um, I, I hear what you're saying. I just full, like, we, we got to remember a lot of these guys are 24, 25, 26 years old. And until like a year ago or two years ago, or in some cases, three months ago, they'd never even stepped in Canada or seen 12 on 12 football. That's actually so, a good point. Cause it is something you know? that they might not know. So yeah, that's where absolutely. my whole weird egg analogy or butter analogy falls apart. Is that like, <laughs> no, it's actually something you're aware that you need to teach. American well, if you've people. never, if you've never cooked with an artichoke before and you don't know how to, like, I don't know how to open an artichoke. I don't know how to do that. 
right? I'm going to need, you know, artichoke dip for dummies. That's what I'm going to need. Yes. Uh, but, but it's part of, you know, preparing these guys. It, there, a lot of work goes into uh, being a football coach. You but should host the show because artichoke dip for dummies was so much better than my egg in a wrapper. <laughs> well, you got my, you got my creativity spinning <laughs> a little bit there. Um, man, I don't know what the riders are. I'm just going to say that real quickly coming out of that game. Like you're not leaving a 12, 11 win over the Elks feeling good about yourself at home, at home, yeah. but also you're three and one. I, I said this in the intro, they lost their last seven games last year. At some point, it's about wins or losses. They're three and one. I think they're going to be happy with where they are in the standings. And if you're a Riders fan, I can't imagine you're particularly happy with the performances right no, now. No, because you're looking at the Calgary Stampeders and you're like, sheesh, you know, we got three wins and, and one loss, not one win and three losses. Uh, hmm. Everybody outside of Edmonton is in the fight. I, I believe that. I don't think Edmund, or Calgary is written off for the season. I, I understand, you know, a lot of people might think that or, or feel that that's what's going to happen. But I'm not writing anybody off until, you know, August at the earliest, um, even if you're a one-win football team. What are the Riders? I don't know. I don't know what their schedule is upcoming. I know they have, um, you know, a, the back-to-back against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Labor Day, and, and the Banjo Bowl, as we always enjoy. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how they get through that. But, you know, injuries play a factor. I think at the core, though, um, they're incredibly talented on defense. They have a really uh, strong run game to balance out the arm-heavy attack of uh, of Trevor Harris. Um, but you know, when we were talking about you know consistency and having bad games or bad stretches, you know, Trevor Harris is a name that comes up. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, um, this is the best part about the CFL. You play a whole bunch of games. You got three bye weeks, um, and you know you don't really know what's going to happen until September rolls around. It's weird for me to be celebrating like the quote unquote return of the riders. Like that's not really what I'm trying to do, except that last year was such a circus. Yeah. Yeah. That it just seems like there's, there's a quiet in Saskatchewan a little bit right now. And I think I like that. I, I'm, it's nice to have them back. I, I, I do think, you know, I'm not writing anybody off. As you said, like, you look at the Labor Day games. If you're Sask, you got two against Winnipeg. If you're Calgary, you got two against the Elks. You'd rather have one of those schedules than the other, for sure, right? Um, yeah. So that's how quickly this can flip. Is you win your two Labor game, Day games, and suddenly, you know, suddenly the Stamps are 500 again. The Riders have lost their two games above 500 cushion, just like that. So you're 100% right there. I just, I mean, I like having them back, and I like that it doesn't feel like a complete nightmare. Um, well, and I was worried if it was going to be a complete nightmare because we knew going into the season, it was the last year on the contracts of head coach Craig Dickinson and general manager Jeremy O'Day. And it was a quarterback change. And, uh, you know, I understand they, you know, fired Jason Moss early in, in, in the process of it all, but a, a lot of changes. Um, but, you know, th- they've done enough and they're finding enough uh, to, to, to get wins. And look, a, a one point win at home against Edmonton is the same as, uh, you know, the BC Lions coming into IG Field and then clobbering the Blue Bombers. It's two points, and uh, you're, you're on to the next. So, okay. um, I mean, the Stamps good lost. On the riders. Good on them. That's the thing. And the Stamps, again, as to your point, the Stamps lost in double overtime on an interception against the Riders. Yep. That's one play that if it goes the other way, you know, both of those teams are 500. Um, final thing, man, that hurt me, seeing what happened to Jeremiah Mazzoli. Um, breaks my heart. Honestly, just uh, yeah. 
I was three down. I was reading their article on it this morning. Um, and they just went through like 2018. This guy is the most outstanding player in the East division. 2019 ACL, no season in 2020. 2021's a bit of a weird year. Him and Dane are, are in and out. And then broken femur last year. And what looked like a pretty serious lower body injury this year. It's just yeah. one of the guys who should be one of the, the biggest stars in the league. One of the faces of the league. That's his five years. It's been awful. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was reading this morning too, and then I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to see how old he is. And he turns 35 next month. And it makes you wonder, okay, he has a non-contact injury this season. First game back 12 months to the day from uh, a cheap shot injury to the lower body, to, to the other leg. Uh, and then just, uh, you know, as you mentioned, 2019, uh, another non-contact injury that happened against the Blue Bombers. So I, I'm, I've, I've been such a fan of Jeremiah Masoli because he, to me, he's a little bit different, right? Like he's not like a lot of quarterbacks we've seen in the CFL. He doesn't look like a lot of the quarterbacks we've seen, uh, you know, the, the way everything kind of went in Hamilton over the last few years with, with Dane Evans and losing his job and going to free agency, I, I was always kind of just, you know, silently pulling for him. Right. Like I, I really like watching him play and like that, that's just the fan in me. Right. That's just the, uh, the observer of the league in me uh, on a personal level. I, I, I get that a lot of people are like, Hey, it's just football. You know, nobody died, but it is his life. It has been his life for a long time to have his mom there in the stands and his daughter and to see the, you know, to see that emotion on his mother's face. Um, that, that was as heartbreaking as anything, because if anybody knows how hard it is to come back from an injury, like over 12 months and then to like fight tooth and nail to, to get back and help your struggling franchise, you know, get back on track and, to have it happen like that, like in the, you know, when it, when it did, it's just unbelievably heartbreaking and the outpouring of support from across the league, players, coaches, fans, obviously um, has been outstanding. I think that probably helps Jeremiah a little bit uh, in the, the, this next phase, the, the mental part of it, but um, business wise, you have to wonder, is it in his best interest to get back into the grind of, of trying to return because that's what he has been doing for the last 12 months, every day and every night he's gone to bed and every day he wakes up in the morning, it is about getting healthy and recovering to play football again. And it's, it's tedious, hard work recovering no from question. an injury like that. It is painful what you have to put your body through to re to get it back. And I remember years ago, a guy named Daron Mayo, who uh, was a St. Peter's player. He's actually, I believe now in New England as sort of a strength and conditioning, but he'd had a brutal injury. And he, he basically had said to me, like, you guys think it's recovering the way a human. He's like, we have to go through so much more. He's like, if I just had to, an office job, I'd have been, I'd have been good six months ago. Yep. I now have to rebuild everything and it hurts and it's painful. And he said, past a certain age, I'm just not willing to do it. Right. I'm not willing to go through it again. And I honestly, I would not fault Jeremiah Mazzoli if he decided not to go through that process again. I hope just me as a football fan and me as a fan of Canadian football, our league is better with Jeremiah Mazzoli in it. So I'd love no to question. see him on the field again. But man, two straight years of rehab 
that lonely work. Yeah. I, at that age, man, maybe you just want to spend time with your kids and move on to start doing something else. And I can't blame you for that. So, yeah. you know, but, but that's what, that's what's so heartbreaking to me is because I think Jeremiah Masoli, like, like specifically Jeremiah Masoli, was somebody who preseason be like, I think this is an MOP candidate, yeah. right? Like he's in that conversation. Everyone's like, who are, who are the best quarterbacks in the CFL? Well, there's Zach Kolaris and nobody else. No. I always interjected at that point and said, don't sleep on Jeremiah Masoli. No. You know, he, he didn't get an opportunity to do it in year one with Ottawa last year because he was injured so early. And then, I mean, we, we didn't know what happened last night until last night. But uh, that's where I regard Jeremiah Masoli. I don't know him personally. Uh, a lot has been said and written and shared on social media, um, you know, since that injury on, on Saturday night. But um, as a football player, man, like full, full respect to him and his game. I sure hope he can return if he wants to. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's why I sort of led with that three-time thing is it's just, it honestly has been five years now. And that's like, I mean, again, 2018, the Stamps won the Grey Cup. So it's sort of a, a big year in my career. And I, I can't believe it's been five years. The pandemic threw it all off. But like, yeah. that's what worries me about Mazzoli is that as, at a certain point, and this is not a, a knock on him, but like, it's, it's been a long time since we've seen him week in and week out for a full season at that level and and with all, everything that his body's been through it's not just about whether it's worth it it is on a certain like can he do it i i, I don't know they that said, i want to they said the same things about zach Kolaris, right Very true. and i uh, said the same things about zach Kolaris. yeah yeah I mean, we all did you know we yeah. all wondered and uh head injuries are one thing uh compared to you know getting surgery to repair a, the you know a soft tissue thing or whatever right it's it's a different thing but you know uh, I wouldn't put it past any of these guys. They're pro athletes playing, you know, uh, elite level football from a very young age, being in the NCAA, playing the hardest position in team sports, being a pro for the better part of a decade into their 30s. And I, I wouldn't put anything past them if they put their mind to it, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. a good that's a good perspective. And I don't know. I Ultimately, look, I'm going let to you, let you go here. It's just I think both of us, we care about Jeremiah and, and – Wish him well on his recovery and stinks. And I have no idea what Ottawa is going to do for the rest of the year. Um, that's a, that's a independent of the actual human side where we just care about a, a man. Like I am very worried about Ottawa at this point. Um, the team may be really bad. Yeah. Well, the, the, I'm sure the fans are feeling it right now too, because everyone talks about the, the winless streak in Edmonton. Ottawa hasn't, you know, they, they got that win uh, last week and, and then, you know, now you got to wonder what direction they're going. Yeah, and it did. I will say that, like, part of it is that there was this uh, come down because they beat Edmonton last week, looked pretty good. Mazzoli was back, and I thought to myself, okay, cool. This yeah. great football market, great stadium, love going there. Maybe the climb is finally here, and then it sort of felt like it crashed a little yeah. bit. Um, <clears throat> dude, Bonfire Sports, where can people find you? You are, honestly, you're the best of this. So um, <laughs> just, just give me your pitch. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Danny. Uh, most of our content, well, all of our content is on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on your podcast app. You search Bonfire Sports Winnipeg. Uh, but bonfiresports.ca 
bonfiresports.ca. The website has links to, to everything, but uh, pregame, postgame, uh, Bombers coverage. We got a, a show uh, live Wednesday night, 7.30 Central, uh, where we kind of go around the league and, and talk a little bit of, um, you know, every, all, all on all of the teams and then uh, get into the Blue Bombers as well. But we, we bring in players and guests and, you know, uh, smart guys like you too uh, out West, Danny. So, um, yeah, appreciate that. And, and I sure hope we can have you on again soon. Yeah, man. Um, literally anytime. I will always say yes. I, I like we've got this sort of home and home thing going every yeah. once in a while here. It's a, it's a good thing. And I will say, like, you are one of the people we, we've talked about this a lot, but I know that both of us sort of just felt like we wanted to do this. You know, yeah. I felt like there was a little bit, this is what our, I don't know if, if this is what people want, but um, it's what I want. I just want people talking about football who know what they're talking about. Probably not normally on the Sunday after Stampede, <laughs> um, but um, buddy, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Anytime, man. Talk soon. All right. All right. Thank you again to Darren. Um, honestly, I could listen to that guy talk football. Uh, I think he's the smartest. Uh, really saved me when I got a little bit lost about talking about eggs in a wrapper. Don't know what was happening there. That was not. That was not a good analogy. Thank you, to Darren, coming in off the top rope. Some artichoke talk. It was good stuff. Um, but yeah, do check out Darren on Bonfire. And uh, make sure you check out Fraser and Fig, our sponsors. They do uh, delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie made with fresh artisanal provisions on demand grazing. You can get it picked up. You can get it delivered. Um, I have said this a million times and I will continue to. I intend on having one of these charcuterie boxes in the studio next time uh, that I'm here. I did say that last episode. Um, I didn't get organized. That's the reality. That's on me. It is Stampede. You got to give me a little bit of a break here. Either way, Fraser and Fig, they do ready-to-go cheese and charcuterie boxes curated with local and artisanal ingredients. They offer four sizes for every occasion. All the boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. And their selections vary month to month. So you know, just because you've had it once doesn't mean it's going to be the same every time. It's awesome. We love Fraser and Fig. Thank you so much. Thank you to Darren Bombing. Exciting week, CFL action coming up. Um, we will know by the time this is out what happened with the Alouettes and the Lions. But yeah, Hamilton and Edmonton on July 13th, that's that's less exciting. Um, Toronto, Montreal, I'm a big fan of this Argos team. I've said that number t- numerous times, so excited to see that. Ottawa, Winnipeg. All jokes aside, that's probably not going to be a very good. This is a weird week of games, guys. Calgary, Saskatchewan to finish it off on on Saturday. That one is uh, that's a, that's a fun. That'll be an interesting game. Calgary really, really needs a win. You know, the Riders would love to kind of put their foot down and finish not finish them off, but um, make life a lot more harder, a lot more harder, a lot more difficult for the Stampeders. Man, I'm not talking great today. <laughs> we got to work on this, but uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a strange strange week slate of games for week six, but there's there's probably some magic in there. We'll be watching them either way. Thank you for watching. Thank you for for listening. If that's what you're doing. Please like and subscribe. Live from the fifty five, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, we're everywhere. Um, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Have a good one.